0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this with my friend in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi state sports like nobody else. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. It's Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, Rhino, down there in Studio X. He is the captain of the ship. I don't know exactly what my rank is. I'm kind of like, the, maybe I'm the guy who's just like, iceberg right ahead. he will have to do the steering uh, at some point. We are very pleased to announce that we uh, we have a new title sponsor here on Thunder and Lightning. And I have been graced by giving an easy thing to talk about. Sometimes you get a, you get a company you're like, okay, I can do it, but... I'm just making stuff up because I don't know a whole lot about them. This is not the case because the good folks at the Vicksburg Convention and Visitors Bureau Visit Vicksburg are the new sponsor here on Thunder and Lightning. If you've ever listened to anything I've done on podcasts and on the radio, I love my hometown of Vicksburg. I am a huge advocate advocate for it, so I am really looking forward to being able to talk up all the great things that are going to be going on in the city of Vicksburg. Like the downtown Vicksburg's 22nd annual Mardi Gras parade, Saturday, February 10th, 4 o'clock, begins at Washington and Belmont Street. Buddy, I know exactly where that is. And we'll travel north on Washington to Jackson. It's going to be a fun filled event for the whole family this, I'm well, not this Saturday, Saturday, February the 10th. So next Saturday, 4 o'clock, the 22nd annual Mardi Gras parade in the fine city of Vicksburg, Mississippi. I was in the city of Oxford, Mississippi last night, and I saw a basketball game. And if I had no biases whatsoever, if I had no uh, any you know leanings one way or the other, that would have been an absolutely outstanding college basketball game. However, as you may be aware, as a listener of this show and other shows, uh, I do tend to uh, lean. Uh, towards the, uh, the, the, the the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So a disappointing result from a really, really good game. Most of the the discussion from the Mississippi State perspective following that game centered around one thing and one thing only, and that was Chris Jan's the the final play of the of Mississippi State's game in reality, what he drew up to get the ball into the hands of not Josh Hubbard, not Tolu Smith, but Cam Matthews, a lot of, t- of talk that, you know, hey, you can't put the ball in Cam's hands. you got to ride with your best guy. And, and honestly, you know, folks, normally I would tell you, you're correct. I would like to see the ball in your best player's hands. I would like to see the ball in Josh Hubbard's hands there. He had been hitting all night. It, it kind of had like a storybook ending. I thought that was, for a moment, I, I let myself believe Hubbard, who signed with Ole Miss out of high school, who's been getting booed unmercifully, this uh, this whole game is going to hit a three to send everybody home and and quiet this crowd. And I, I, I thought that was what they were going to do. They didn't do that. They ran a play for Cam Matthews. He gets to the rim, he can't lay it in. He can't make the free throws. State drops the game. And if you've been you know doing national sports media a little bit more than sports talk Mississippi this week, you know they've been talking all week about the Lions and Dan Campbell and the decisions that he made and the reliance on analytics, and this isn't an analytics kind of thing, right? There's no analytics. The analytics certainly would not tell you to put the ball in the Cam Matthews' hands. But a coach, his job is to draw up the plays that that can get his team a chance to win. And in this situation, Chris Jans threw, drew up a play that got his team a chance and a layup to tie the game. That you could possibly get fouled on, give you a free throw to win the game, but at the very least, you're going to overtime if you hit this shot. In all likelihood, now you still have to play defense. Almost still would have had a few seconds left to get down there and put up a last second shot. But a layup attempt with one of your best inside players, who was eight for eleven from the field that night. I mean that that's what his job was. Cam Matthews' job is to make that shot. And I'm sure if we could talk to Cam Matthews, he would tell you, yeah, that was my job and I didn't do it. And that's why you know he would he would put that loss on himself. I wouldn't do that. But that that's my thought process. It reminded me a lot of last year in the NCAA tournament, you might recall. State down two with just a few seconds left. Everybody assumes Tolu Smith's going to get the ball at the rim off of an inbounds play. And Jans draws up a play for Shaq Moore. And he takes an absolutely wide open shot from three point range to win the game, and they don't get it. And again, I can't be mad because Jan's is the, his job is to put the team in the position to win, and then you got to trust your players to make the shot. He drew up a play that got more an absolutely uncontested three pointer, and then he just didn't make it. I talked about this a lot last year with Jan's and why I had a lot of faith in him, and still do have a lot of faith in him. That State last year, when they were missing shots, I felt like they missed more open shots than any team I'd ever seen. That last year when they, when they made shots, they were almost all near the rim or they were wide open shots. And I thought that was because Jans did a good job of drawing up offensive plays for them, especially in, off of inbounds plays. Think about this past weekend against Auburn, uh, up uh, what, Uh, two or three at that moment, and they run an inbounds play. Uh, Just a quick give back to Josh Hubbard, but he gets the shot off and gets the three-pointer, and that that sealed up the game for State. They probably would have liked to have run something similar there, but they didn't. They ran another play. It was a good play. It just didn't have a good result. And that's something that sports fans, including myself, being an old guy, we have trouble sometimes wrapping our heads around that, The result doesn't make the decision bad. You know, when the percentages say you can get this, the fact that you don't get it doesn't mean that the percentages were wrong. The numbers aren't wrong. And it's a much higher percentage shot to shoot a layup than it is a contested three-pointer, which is what, if, if Josh Hubbard gets the ball there, not only is the, is he every defender on the floor are going to go key on him? Fans are going to come out of the stands to key on him. He he would have had to shoot over like sixty people. You got a you got a a shot at the rim for a chance to tie. You you can't ask for a whole lot more than that. He just he just didn't make the shot. What are we saying today if if Cam makes that shot and takes the foul, hits the free throw, and State wins by one? Oh, Jans is a genius. Everybody thought that Hubbard would get the ball there, and Jans found an, a, a, a back door and got it to Matthews for the win. Great coaching is what you're saying. It's it's still good coaching, guys. You just got to make the shot. And so State, this is a tough week for State. We knew that it was going to be two road games at two likely tournament teams. You lose at Ole Miss. Alabama, last I checked, is getting handled uh, by the Georgia Bulldogs, but we'll see, you know, that's not a good sign for the weekend. Alabama unlikely to lose two in a row. But once you get out of this stretch of incredibly nine quad one games or I say eight quad one games out of your first nine in conference play, I think State is 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 showing you that they're going to pick up some wins in the second half. I think Tolu Smith, who hasn't had a good couple of games, right? He had, he's had eighteen points combined in these last two games. That's not Tolu Smith. But Cam Matthews is starting to figure out some things offensively. Uh, Shaq Moore is starting to figure out some things offensively. He's been in double digits two straight games. Josh Hubbard is what he is, and that's probably one of the best freshman guards in the country. Then you had Deshaun Davis giving you 15 points last night. That's completely out of nowhere. State doesn't need him to do 15 every night, but if they can get eight or nine points out of him every night, they're going to be doing great. He was a big part of why State was able to come back down 11 in the second half. Tough week for State, and and 0-2 was always a possibility. You know, when you looked at this four-game stretch that we talked about uh, at Florida, Auburn at home, uh, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, you know, getting one was the most important thing, and I think they got the best one, right? They got a a home win over a top-ten team. But State does need to find some road wins. There's no question about that. You want to have some road wins on your resume. I think they'll get some, right? They get to play Missouri on the road. They're not a great team. Uh, they play LSU on the road. Not a great team. I mean, those are winnable road games. You just need a couple of road wins. You don't have to have a whole ton. And they still have some quad one opportunities left uh, coming in. You know, Kentucky's still has to come to the hump. South Carolina comes to the hump. And that's a, a team that, you know, they beat Tennessee on the road last night. Difficult to win on the road, but it can be done. It can be done. South Carolina, much improved basketball team. They're 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 a very interesting story this year. So I like this team, and I like where they're going. Just a tough week this week, and a tough game last night. So we'll see how they bounce back this uh, this Saturday against Alabama, and then going forward uh, into a, a easier portion of this schedule. Let's talk baseball when we come back. Got a great great guest coming up. My first chance to talk to him, the new pitching coach at Mississippi State, Justin Parker. That man has some work in front of him, and the, work, it's, the, the time to show the results is getting closer and closer. So let's find out what he's got done with the pitching staff that struggled a season ago. Looking forward to talking to Justin Parker in just a few minutes. Back in just a moment here on Thunder and Lightning. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk, Mississippi. You called down the thunder, well, now you've got it. We are back here on Thunder and Lightning. We're brought to you by our friends at the Vicksburg Convention and Visitors Bureau. Visit Vicksburg. My hometown, man, I'm, I'm so excited about that sponsor, sponsorship. I'm also excited to have Coach Justin Parker on with us for the first time here on Thunder and Lightning. And Coach, I asked this coach this question of Coach Limonis uh, uh, a couple months ago when I had him on my podcast, but I'm going to ask it of you now. You had a good job at South Carolina. That's a good program. They win a lot of baseball games there. They had a lot of success. Why come to Mississippi State?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I've got that a lot, you know, it just was something that as I went through this process, um, you know, and my family was heavily involved as well, obviously, you know, this was just a a place that, you know, I was very impressed with last spring when we played here, you know, I've uh, I've known a lot of the other coaches and the people involved for a while. And, you know, it was a pitching staff that I kind of looked at from the other dugout and, and competing against and saw a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of potential, maybe some of it untapped and, um, You know, just as a competitor, I think this summer it was something that I thought, you know, just I'm really looking forward to taking on a challenge like that. You know, I don't know if that that, – you know, I I think you have to be a little bit crazy to coach in the SEC anyway, but this was a challenge that I I was excited about as I started to learn more about it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here.
0: There's no getting around the fact that Mississippi State struggled as a pitching staff last year. The term I've used a lot is systemic that it wasn't just one guy struggling or, or a couple of games. It was all year long, and there were huge problems with everybody on the staff. Did you Have you had enough time, you feel? I mean, it's been nine months since the end of the season going into opening day. Is that enough time to correct the issues to a point where you feel confident in your guys going into the SEC season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. And, and, and not being a part of that, you know, seeing it again just in a small little snapshot from across You know, across the field in the other dugout, I felt some of that. You know, when we were here last spring, you could feel a little bit of the here-we-go-again. It was a group that, you know, again, just did did not lack talent and potential and horsepower by any means. It it just was a lot of the other things, a lot of the little things. Some of it was an attitude and and, and an identity. Some of it was a toughness when things get hard. Some of it was, was, um, you know, really just the the pitchability, the poise, the... um, you know the vision, the direction, the command, and and so, you know, I think so. I like this group a lot. You know, and I've had a, a lot of really good pitching staffs, and I told these guys uh, this the other day in a meeting. It, this is the most talented pitching staff that I've ever had, and it's it's deep. Um, we still have things to work on, certainly. You know, we have we have to, um, you know, just can, to continue to grow individually and as a group collectively. But th- this is a group that I'm very confident in, and and I've watched work over the course of. You know, six, seven, eight, nine months together, and I know that's a short period of time. But I, you know, I, I love coaching because I love teaching, and you know, really feel like this was a hungry group that I took over. It was a very capable group, both physically, from a talent standpoint, and mentally, from a from a learning standpoint. And I feel like we have covered a lot of that ground, and you know, all those deficiencies last year, they were certainly not lost on me. You know, you asked the initial question about. You know, taking the job and moving here in the first place, you know, that was something that I was, you know, obviously well aware of and, um, you know, knew I had my work cut out for me a little bit, but th- this has been an awesome group to work with. They, they're hardworking, um, again, very talented physically and mentally and intelligent. And, you know, I'm excited to watch them continue to grow and compete and, um, you know, and go out here th- this year and prove everybody that, you know, this is, th- they are, they are a little bit banged up inside. I will tell you that. And I, I think, um, for me, and this is the way I prefer it, but, you know, nobody's talking about us a ton, and, and we kind of like that as a group. We know we have a lot to prove, and, um, you know, we'll continue to maintain that chip on our shoulder.
0: What's something that, you've, that this team struggled to do a season ago that you've seen improvement on in, in, in the practice months that you've had, something that, you know, be it control, uh, their mechanics? I want to talk a little bit about mechanics in just a minute. But what's something that you said? Okay, this team wasn't doing this last year, but I feel like we've got a little bit of a handle on it thus far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I put I put a priority on on movement patterns, and you know, a lot of people call it mechanics. I I, I kind of as I'm coaching the guys and teaching them, I kind of refer to it more just as a sequence and timing and, and things like that. And and when you do those things correctly, you free yourself up to command the baseball better. So I think we've done that at a at a much higher clip. You know that that to me is where it starts and stops. You know you you got to allow your um, you you got to allow your team to to play behind you. And you know when you look at the successors in our league and across college baseball, you know guys that can they can limit the free bases and keep the ball in the ballpark. You know they they typically have a chance to win a lot of games. It's it's things have skewed a little bit more towards being hitter friendly in the last couple of years when you look at just the addition of, uh, of, of the trackman strike zone in our league for the umpires. So the, the strike zone's gotten a lot smaller. Um, the, the balls are harder than they've ever been. The hitting coaches and the technology have allowed those guys to really prepare for, for your starter like they've seen them all week, where you know there used to be a feeling out process. That's gone. So you, And you see it in, across the league in, in, uh, in ERAs. I mean, even some of the best pitchers, top half of the first-round pick, type pitchers in, in the SEC, they're they're in the four-and-a-half to five ERA ranges oftentimes. So, you know, those are things that, you know, we put a priority on, just making sure we attack the zone, we keep the ball in the ballpark. You know, I put a premium on, on pitching fearless, especially to the inside part of the plate. Um, you know, teaching guys, you know, a, a secondary fastball, just making sure that they can get down underneath the bat and keep the ball on the ground more often than the air because, you know, there are even days – you know, whether we're at home, you know, or on the road, there are days where fly balls are home runs. And it's just, especially when things heat up, you you just got to be able to, to be uh, able to combat anything, you know, on the road at home, weather, wind blowing in warm days, all of it. So those are a few points of emphasis, just making sure that guys are, are competing in the strike zone. They're pitching fearlessly. They have um the toughness to deal with adversity cuz it's coming i mean that that's what this league is it's that's why everyone signs up it's you're going to deal with adversity so just having a plan having an answer when you have to get off the mat and compete and so those are those are some things with our staff and then of course there's a lot of intricacies individually guys just growing their arsenal um growing their delivery growing their confidence uh, growing their ability to compete and game manage uh, and handle uh, the run game and and all those different things
0: Coach, I'm an old man. I remember when wins was an important pitching stat, and and so I I struggle sometimes with analytics with the amount of data that you guys get as coaches now and put into practice as a as a as a as a coach. How important is data and analytics to you as a coach and what you want to do?
1: Well, I'm glad you said that because that's that's been a an emphasis of mine uh, all fall, and then I, I had that message again this week with our group. It's just. You know, there are a lot of guys that are watching you. There, there are young kids watching you. There's the media watching you. There, there are fans. There are scouts. Uh, and, and guys are going to ask, oh, is he a winner? Because you know, they want to know that, especially the scouting community. This is a program that historically has, has been scouted and, and has had tremendous success in, in, in professional baseball. And that's going to be a question that people ask about you. And so, if we're not going about it every day with that being at the top of the pyramid and then everything else trickling down, yes, to answer your question, the analytics are a big part of it, but it's only to give you a, a better arsenal and a better chance to have success and win the game. So, um, you know, I, I kind of think of myself as a blend, Um, you know, I, I, I do have the a really good understanding of the technology and the analytics and how it impacts and how to get, you know, each guy in the best position for them, how to use their stuff in their arsenal in the best situations, uh, making sure they're using their stuff appropriately. But also, you know, you're, you're going to go out and pitch in, you know, arguably the, one of the best leagues that you're going to face in, in, in all of baseball until you get to the major league playoffs. And a lot of that stuff's not going to matter. It's, it's going to be the competitor, the toughness, the ability to process and, and problem solve in real time and um, and and do all those things that again I, I think you're spot on because you know even when you look at baseball at the professional level, there's you know in the last two years I think there's less than ten guys that threw two hundred innings and they're and they're starting less and less to to really care about longevity in that starting pitcher. They're starting to care less and less about Cy Young winners winning games and putting much more of an emphasis on those analytics. But I still sure put a premium on on guys that win games and and make it really hard to lose when they have the ball in their hand.
0: Coach, only got about a minute left. We had a chance to talk to some of your guys this past Friday, and they all talked about you talking to them about the way they throw pitches. It's not; it, it, it was more mental and physical, body and mind, kind of working together, uh, more of a process. If you've got, if you can explain the process of pitching in sixty seconds, I'll be pretty impressed with you. So go ahead. <laughs>
1: Well, I just think it's a belief and a confidence in what you're doing. And I've seen this group work really hard at at, at all those things, starting with building their deliveries, uh, believing in their arsenal, um, seeing the ball go through the hoop a little bit in both their bullpens and their live work. And then it's just a commitment to trusting that and, and believing in themselves, believing in each other, and, and, and growing as a group. So I, I've seen that. I'm very confident in that. And we will continue to be a very hardworking pitching staff as we move forward.
0: That feels like a lot of great information you just gave us, Coach. I really appreciate your time. Justin Parker, Mississippi State pitching coach, opening day. It's not too far off, 17 days. Thanks for joining me, Coach.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, we'll be back in just a minute here on Thunder and Lightning. Super Talk, Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. Mississippi Green, If you know what I mean. Mississippi Green, She taught me everything. Say it. You know it. Ozzy, he knows where, where 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 he's headed. Thunder and lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. He's Rhino. We are brought to you by the, our good friends at the Vicksburg Convention and Visitors Bureau. Visit Vicksburg, my hometown, and a place where a lot of great stuff is always uh, going on. Like on Fe- the weekend of February 10th and 11th, the Showdown in the SIP. 7v7 football tournament at the Sports Force Park on the Mississippi. That'll be a great event also at the Sports Force Park. uh, February 23rd and 24th, Heinz Juco Classic Softball Tournament. 12 junior college softball teams going at it there in the city of Vicksburg. So that sports park is awesome. It's a great place to go if you're uh, doing travel softball, travel baseball. Check that out in my hometown of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Great to talk to Coach Justin Parker. I think that was as most as informative of an interview as we've had here on this show uh, in, in quite some time. And I, you know, hearing him talk about pitching. I mean, the guy clearly knows what he's doing. I mean, it's just that 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 much is obvious to you. It's going to be can he Put. Can't. It goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment, right? I feel very confident based based off of what I know of Justin Parker, what I've seen from his career, what he did at South Carolina a season ago, what he just talked to us about. The man knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. Can his players put it into practice? Can they can, he, can they do it when the games start? When the lights are on? That's going to be the key. And I agree with something else you said. The talent is definitely there for Mississippi State. You've got some guys who I I don't you know I'm not a scout. I won't say first round arms right. But you've got talented guys, guys who can throw the ball at high velocity, and if they can throw it for strikes, they're going to get strikes. Holcomb, Sanjay, uh, Dom, these are all guys who can who can bring heat. And Bradley Lofton, if he's if he's healthy, is is another one like that. Um, so that you've got some guys there. You got you got a good nucleus to work around. And offensively with that team, you know, with Hines and Jordan, and then everybody working around them. I'm talking myself into it here. I'm going to talk myself into this team. <laughs> Didn't football season teach me anything? I I need to stay pessimistic. It just never works out. Um, Alabama down forty-one twenty-seven to Georgia. They're just getting smacked around at the half. That's crazy. Oh, I, I would not have expected that. will be a good win for Georgia if they can uh, they can hold on there uh, in the second half. Um. So for Mississippi State, baseball, let's let's still stay with baseball here. Uh, as I mentioned, 17 days away uh, from opening day, Mississippi State will open the season with Air Force. Again, they haven't announced the first pitch time. I am telling you, I'm just telling you from experience that it will be around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Thoughts it's going to be cold, rainy, wet, miserable, angry, drizzly, whatever word you want to use. It, it will be that that day. I, I just—I It's beautiful today. If we get this weather, on opening day, high fifties, low sixties, sunny. Sign me up right now. Well, I don't know if we're going to get that. One thing that you know he t- he talked about being beaten up a little bit, and and one thing that state does have going for them is and take this as a compliment or a a, a, a slam or whatever you want to say, the non conference schedule how to how to put it nicely is not the most challenging schedule. We'll put it that way um that it is designed in such a fashion that they should be able to pile up a bunch of wins and have a lot of momentum going into SEC play the 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 I will tell you this now you know these past couple of years they've gone into SEC play with five six seven losses and you're like I don't know about this team if they have five six seven losses on this non-conference schedule when they play LSU you can just go ahead and it's it's not going to happen. You don't need to talk about it anymore. They should have no more than two or three. You know, because it is baseball and sometimes crazy things will happen. But this team is going to be more talented than everybody they play right up until they play uh, LSU. Southern Miss is in that group. I, I I won't say that Mississippi State is just a more talented team than Southern Miss. But other than Southern Miss... They are. A, they're going to be way more talented, and they should just win those games. The USM game in Pearl will be a, a tough one. Um, crazily enough, State won that game last season, which is just incredible when you consider what what USM's uh, season became and what State's became. And and sort of the yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but we'll, we'll hit on it again that the the. The same sort of thing we're talking about with football is is also true about baseball. That you know, in football, the defense, the offense is going to be improved. We you, we believe that Jeff Levy and his offense will score thirty plus points per game. So defensively, you just got to be okay. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be the best defense in the country. You just got to be okay, and that's going to be enough to kind of get you where you want to go in year one. The same thing can be true here for the baseball team. A season ago, they gave up seven earned runs per game. That's just earned runs. It's probably closer, if you just said runs per game, my guess is it's probably closer to nine. And that's, as you can imagine, was dead last in the SEC. So this year, can you be closer to five and a half? Again, five and a half, ERA of five and a half is not a good ERA. It's But it's, it's, it's probably, it's not middle of the pack, it's probably below average. But that, that last year, five-and-a-half would have probably been enough to put State into postseason play. Shaving a, an average of a run-and-a-half a game off of their ERA would have probably had them in the, uh, in, in, into the, into the uh, NCAA tournament. So they just have to be better. Not necessarily good, just better. And Justin Parker did great things last year with that South Carolina uh, pitching staff. So, I'm just telling you, you know, I think it's I think it's a month after opening day. I think the, the LSU weekend is March 15th through the 17th. That's the first series. Now, as we know, Mississippi State has not beaten LSU at home since 20, 2006, I believe is the last time. State won a series against the Tigers in Starkville. Crazy, crazy. Stat when you consider states won, I think four times down in Baton Rouge in that same time period. So whatever reason they have, they they have not been able to get that done there. That's fine. But if state goes into that game, and I, I don't know off the top of my head how many games they'll have played, you know, well let's just say they've played seventeen games at that point. If they're four, fifteen and two, 14 and three, you're okay. If they go into that game like eleven and six, buddy. Just you don't need you can make plans for late May and early June. If you want to go on vacations and not have to worry about baseball, because that schedule is is designed to do that. What Diamond Dog do you expect to have the biggest jump in their performance from last year? I mean, don't I have to pick a pitcher? I have to, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I'm sure David is gonna have a good year. I think he will. I think a Bryce Chance is an everyday player will have a good year, but it's got to be a pitcher. Bradley Lofton or Gerongel Sanjay is like the, the best possible answer. Colby Holcomb would be another one. One of those one of those three guys needs to step up, especially one of them needs to become State's Friday night guy. And say the, the the days of having a guy who's going to go seven, eight innings for you on Friday, those are over. But you need a guy who can get you two and a half, maybe three times through the order, get you into the fifth or the sixth, and hand the ball off. So one of those guys has to do that. And if that's if they can do that, if you can get that, you know, if you can get started on Friday night and, and get good pitching performances there, then, then you know, you set yourself up for some success throughout the weekend. You know, one of State's biggest problems was they would lose these Friday night games by large margins and have to go through three or four guys, and then, you you know, it just it, either you were going back to them and they weren't rested enough to, to play, or you couldn't go back to them. One thing I, I should have asked, and I, I, the next time I talk to him I will, I'm interested to see does Giangillo continue to be a, a both-handed pitcher. He was a lot more effective last year from the right side than he was the left side. Do you, do you just stick with the right side and sort of get away from the? You know, I felt like the left the the both the both-handed thing was more of a novelty than something that he he used you know often and used effectively. So you just stick with the right-handed thing, or do you do you or are you going to try to be a little bit more matchup-centric? And, and, and go with that. Cause there were some times he, he threw to left-handed guys, uh, or right-handed. He, you know, he didn't switch it up. So haven't had a chance to talk to Gerangela yet. We talked to Colby Holcomb. We talked to Nate Dom and we talked to Stone Simmons. And that's another key for Mississippi State is getting him back and getting Brooks Auger back. They were two of your more reliable relievers in 2021 before they both got injured and had Tommy John. Uh, Stone Simmons, as we mentioned on the podcast, is the last remaining link to the national championship team. He was the only player left that was on that 2021 team that won it all. So he brings you know that experience in, and he's chomping at the bit to get back at, out there after missing basically two full seasons with, with Tommy John. So if he can be at the form he was at before he got hurt in 2021 and be that guy at the back end of the bullpen – that would be go a long, long, long way for Mississippi State just to, to fill that role and have somebody they can rely on when the game is close. You know, in the seventh, eighth inning, to come in and get you four, or five, maybe even six outs. I think Stone Simmons can do that. So we'll wrap it up when we come back. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi. I always wanted thunder and lightning on Supertalk Mississippi. One last go-around here on Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Don't forget, if you ever missed this podcast or anything else, uh, Thunder and Lightning related, it's all right there on the podcast feed. Just subscribe wherever you get podcasts from, be it Apple or, or Spotify, or you can always just go to supertalk.fm and find literally everything that we do here. You can find all of our podcasts, The Rebel Report, The Eagle Hour, The Sports Talk Mississippi podcast, all of our shows, all of our videos, it's all right there. Plus, news, opinion, sports, weather, it's all right there. Everything going on in the great state of Mississippi is available at supertalk.fm. We are brought to you by our friends at Visit Vicksburg. I want to remind you, well, I guess I'm not reminding you. I'm telling you because it's the first time. The inaugural Laces for Love 5K and 10K, presented by the Junior Auxiliary of Vicksburg in downtown Vicksburg, February 10th. This fundraiser will benefit the children of Warren County by helping the Junior Auxiliary raise funds to continue various projects throughout the county i know some good folks in the junior auxiliary of vicksburg and uh happy to support them there a lot of good stuff going on in vicksburg and apparently if i'm going to get new stuff every week i'm excited to learn what's going on in my hometown because i don't i don't know my mom doesn't tell me she's always i don't know what's going on brian so now i'll know i'm going to be kept in the loop i, I, I that's good stuff should go check out. Go check out my hometown, man. That's it. If you haven't ever been, it's a lot more than just the military park. But the military park is really cool. I, w- I would, I'd definitely suggest you go check it out. Rhino, ever been to the Vicksburg National Military Park? Oh yeah, it's a great, it's a great place. You see the Cairo? I love that thing. It can be a bit of a hike, but uh, it's definitely worth it. Well, that's you just, that's why you just stay in the car. You take the car around. You don't walk. So my my wife one time was like, You want to go walk that? And I was like, What? <laughs> she, she didn't realize how long it was. I was like, Yeah, let's 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 drive it. Why don't we? It'll be a lot lot more fun. So ah uh, All right, so Mississippi State basketball. Uh not you know, the, the loss to Ole Miss didn't do much for the net. Uh as you might guess. I mean that's a tough loss. It was a road loss to a it was it would have been a quad one win. State state at thirty seven. As of today, now three and five in quad one games, so their wins are Tennessee, Auburn, and Washington State. Remains a quad one win for them. They have there, so there's they're six and seven quad one. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at that, I'm looking at the wrong team there. They are six and six quad one and quad two, and I keep pointing it out that Southern loss is an anchor. Uh, it's a quad four loss. And when you look at let's 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 just throw one out here, um, somebody like Dayton. Dayton is seventeenth in, in the in the net. They're six and three. I guess they're six and three, but they have the same number of quad one, quad two wins, but they don't have a uh, quad four loss. Duke is four and four in those games, but they don't have a quad one loss. Baylor is nineteenth in the net. They are five and five in those games, but they don't have a quad four loss. That loss to Southern is probably five to ten points in the net for Mississippi State. That they would have if they didn't have that loss. So that's tough. That's 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 something that they're just gonna have to deal with the whole year. They got to start getting some wins. You know, the, their analytics are good right now. Everybody likes their analytics. Everybody's like, you know, the, if the tournament happened, they would be comfortably in it. But they have to start winning some games at some point, right? You can't just be like, well, the analytics were good the whole year. And you know, we were talking to Coach Parker about analytics earlier. Yeah, analytics are important, but at some point, you got to win games. Yeah, that's just, just that's how the, the sport works. Unfortunately, you know, not everything's done on paper. You know? Although it's fun, I, I guess the college football committee, college football playoff committee, would would disagree with me on that. They they, they did things on paper and, and didn't worry about what was going on as far as the results go. So we'll see what happens this Saturday with the game against Alabama, and the next week state only has the one game. They get the uh, the, the weekend off. Um, they'll play some Wednesday night at home against Georgia. Student tickets for that are already sold out. So maybe another good crowd uh, coming for, for the hump. I think basketball. It feels like it's back. I, I need to see. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that it's not back, but I am saying that you know I feel like it's precarious. I feel like let's say state loses to Alabama, it's going to hurt the crowd Wednesday. Now if they somehow win, they'll be packed. They're only having one game next week helps as well. So that game's on on Wednesday. What time is that game? Oh, no, they didn't do it to me again, did they? Please tell me no. Please tell me they didn't do it again. Mississippi State versus Georgia, February 7th, tip-off, 8 o'clock. We're we're good, guys. We're good. I get to go. I get to go to the game. That's exciting. I didn't want to have to deal with another uh, another game of uh, another week of missing basketball because, you know, they couldn't be nice enough to schedule things around what I'm doing here. Get with it. Where is Zach Selman on all this? I know he's an avid listener to this show. Make sure that things are scheduled around this show. That way Bulldog fans get their games and they get their hate ad. Get a little hate ad in your life. All right. We appreciate you guys tuning in on another Wednesday night. We appreciate Visit Vicksburg. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to have them on. You couldn't tell. For Rhino down there in Studio X, another A-plus effort from him. No mistakes on his part. I'm Brian Haydad. Thank you for listening to Thunder and Lightning live here on Super Talk Mississippi.